Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys, good morning. Good morning. Hey, good to see y'all today. I'm excited about getting into God's Word. I, I, I like what Jordan was telling you about, about the brunch with Pastor Tim. Just to, just to let you know, we are, that's going to be a fun event. It's, we're going to do it in the foyer. We'll have tables set up. But invite your guests. Invite someone to come and be a part of that. Anyone who has questions about anything, ask about the sermon. Ask, ask about anything. We'll be, we'll be able to do that right in that setting. Plus, with people will be able to join us online, ask their questions. It's going to be a fun day. And did, I don't think they, they put up there on the screens what the menu options would be. So I'll just quickly tell you this because I've already voted in my app. But it says that... Um, Three menu options, braised brisket and veggie tacos. Y'all supposed to go, ooh, yeah, okay. Chicken and waffles, whoa, and the biscuits gone wild bar. Now, (laughs) you actually get to choose between those three. Y'all are setting the menu, and I've already voted. And uh, let's see, according to this, there is one that's in the lead. One, there is one that's in the lead at, at 57%. And you guys can see those numbers also if you'll go online and get that. But go ahead and, and, uh, and get yourself set up for that. Also, prayer meeting tonight, 6 o'clock. Look forward to seeing you here. And uh, that, that is, unless you're watching the Super Bowl, that starts at 530. Uh, but, but once we set up our prayer meetings on Sundays at 6 p.m., we decided, well, we're going to stick with that. So... It'll be good. It's funny because back in the days when, when we used to have Sunday night church all the time, I remember my dad would, you know, we, he, he would preach all the time, and it didn't matter if it was Super Bowl Sunday or not, dad, dad would be preaching. He always hated it because he was missing the Super Bowl, and, uh, and, and, and then there would be people, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the guys especially just wouldn't come. But there would be occasional, occasionally guys would come and they would have their radios. They would have a transistor radio and a little earphone and they would listen to the game on the radio. And, and my dad said, you know what, that's okay. You can listen to the sermon and listen to the game. So if you want to do that tonight at prayer, you can do that as well. But let's go ahead and get your Bibles open to Joshua chapter 1 verse 3. Joshua 1 verse 3, we're looking in the Old Testament today. Book of Joshua. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you, team. Also, to remind you, communion is at the close of today's service. So if you're watching online, part of the e-community, go ahead and prepare some communion elements for yourself. And uh, just get something ready because I want you to participate online as well. Uh, A few, several weeks ago, I was on my way from a from an event, I can't even remember quite what it was, but I was on my way home, I was on Interstate 20, and it was about 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, I was in Arlington area, and, and there, there wasn't a lot of traffic, it was, it was pretty, pretty uh, just calm out there, which, you know, anytime you get on the interstate in, in the Fort Worth, in the Metroplex area, and it's kind of calm, it's like, yeah, this is, this is nice, so you can just kind of put your hands on the steering wheel and just enjoy life, but I saw up ahead of me, probably about a quarter mile, and it was dark, and it was in a dark area, I saw something that appeared to fly out of the back or off of the top of a, of a pickup. 
and, and I'm like, what am I seeing? It, is, is this real? Is this real? Something big. And, and I saw it go in the air and hit the ground and bounce. I said, that's either a wheel or a tire, but now it's on the interstate. And, and this thing was bouncing like crazy. So it hit the ground, bounced several feet up in the air, and it came right back down. Boom, again, again. And, and so it's at this point, it's bouncing and rolling. And, and I, uh, it was totally unpredictable. Yeah, I had no idea where this thing was going to go and there were no cars between us so I couldn't somebody else would have had a better view and I could have judged by what they were doing but there was no way and uh, and I just I, I slowed way down I, all of a sudden my driving basics kicked in thank God for driver's ed and, and those years when you were uh, 14 15 16 learning how to drive some of you were learning when you were 12 and 13 but it's okay uh, but I, I, I all that kicked in and 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 I I just knew what to do but but this is, this is kind of crazy. I don't know where this tire is going. I'm going toward it. It's coming toward me. And, and finally, I had slowed down enough and, and had moved over a, a lane, and then the tire moved over another lane, and, and then I moved over another lane, and that tire moved over a lane. I, I don't know where to go. I just kept, but I kept slowing down as quickly as possible, and this all happened within about five seconds. And fortunately, the tire then laid on its side and came to rest right, uh, kind of between two lanes, and I was able to get around it. I, I thought, God, I, just, I prayed a prayer. God, just help people who are coming from behind to see that tire, because that's, that could very easily cause an accident. There was nothing I could do except just move past it and, and keep going. But man, I was glad that I had a little bit of just some basics, some good basic driving skills. I'm glad I was watching and paying attention. I'm glad that I, I saw it way off in the distance. And I, and, uh, and I was glad that, that you know, it's just, just every day I said, God, lead and guide my steps. And those, that's one of those times so I think God was leading and guiding my steps because, because very easily a black object bouncing on, the, on, the, on a black uh, highway in the middle of the night you're, you're probably not going to see it, and thank God I saw it. Thank God that 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 obstacle didn't mess me up. That obstacle didn't like destroy me, and I'm glad for that. I was really really glad for that. Jack, do you need a place to sit? I want to help you out. Why don't someone go help Jack out to find a good place to sit back there? Thank you guys. I'm sorry to, to interrupt, but Jack's part of our church family, and I just want to help him to get a get a good place to sit here real quick. Thank you guys. Uh, but uh, you guys can look back up here now. <laughs> but there, there's a little line I, I want you to, to get in your heart. And it's the name, it's the title of today's message. And it's this. Obstacles do not dictate your destiny. Obstacles do not dictate your destiny. Write that down because that's what I'm going to be talking about today. For many of you, God's put a dream in your heart. I, in fact, I believe all of us, at some degree or another, there's something in our heart. It's a dream. It's a destiny. It's, it's a place where you're going. It's kind of like that night when I was on the road. I had this destination in mind, and that was my house. But an obstacle ended up in the way, and I had to dodge it. And it, it could have been tragic, but it wasn't. But, but you have this vision in your mind. Maybe you have a, a future that you've not yet realized or something that you know is your destiny. You, you even have faith. Hey, I, I'm going to get there. But what you may not realize, but deep in your heart you do realize and you know it, is that between you and your destiny is some type of an obstacle or maybe many obstacles. 
And it may not be just a small detour like a tire or a wheel or whatever. I'm not quite sure whether it was a full wheel or a tire that was in the road that day. But, but it may not be a small obstacle. It may be something huge. It may be a mountain that could be an obstacle that's just screaming at you and that is threatening your existence and that is refusing to allow you to pass, to get, get through. Maybe the obstacle that you're facing, that's something that you're up against right now, is, is, is all set up just to get you discouraged and frustrated and make you feel like giving up. Uh, and it's very likely that the obstacle that you're dealing with right now is trying to define you, make you a victim of it, and just define you. And uh, for some of you, the obstacles that you're facing and the obstacles that are ahead of you, they they pretty much have a name on them, and they're trying to make that name your name. And today, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you to draw a line in the sand. It could be debt. It could be a marriage breakdown or depression. It could be cancer or failure. Maybe it's discouragement, possibly self-hatred, and possibly just this annoying voice in your mind that you made too many mistakes and you can't go on any further rejection it could be tragedy it could be a breakup maybe a bad business deal or a sequence of bad business deals and hopelessness you see these obstacles they will halt your progress if you give in to them and today we're going to talk about moving some obstacles, very simply moving some obstacles. Today you're going to quit allowing these obstacles to dictate your destiny. Today you're going to stop enabling those obstacles to become your identity. And today I'm declaring this, and I want you to declare this with me. What happens to you is not who you are. Come on, I'll say it again. What happens to you is not who you are. Now, today we're going to look in the scriptures. I love the Bible. Anybody all love the Bible with me? I love it. Today we're going to look at uh, a story in the book of Joshua. Uh, before I talk about Joshua, you guys have all heard of Moses, right? Moses, he was God's man who led uh, Israel out of Egypt and through the wilderness, out of slavery, into their land of promise. Uh, he was the one who received the Ten Commandments up, up on the mountain and he had prepared God's people to take their promised land, which was their new home. Uh, they, they, they had been in the desert for 40 years. And right when they arrived at the edge of the promised land, ready to go in, uh, Moses died. He died at the age of 120, just before moving into the promised land. So when Moses died, there had to be a new person to take Israel forward. And that man's name was Joshua. Joshua. And he was originally Moses' second-in-command for the full 40 years while they were in the wilderness. And uh, he, so he ended up taking over the leadership of the Jewish people. And that, at that time was probably somewhere around 2 million people, just a little under the population of Tarrant County. Do you get that? <laughs> That's called a lot of people. So he was leading this group of nomads, and it was his moment. Uh, Moses was dead. And Joshua is now officially the new leader. And now, now, Joshua was not only a military leader, but he was also a national leader. He was, he was a man of amazing, amazing faith. And for 40 years, uh, Moses had served as 
uh, or actually he had served under Moses as the right-hand man, and so now actually he'd been preparing all of his life for this moment. Now he took over. Uh, basically, God said, Josh, <laughs> I think God called him Josh, kind of like he doesn't call me Timothy, he calls me Tim. So he, he said, Josh, now is your time to take over. Go for it. I think God often does that when, and, and, and he, it's, it's after he's taken the time that he needs to train you and to equip you and to ready you, and then he says, okay, now go. It's time to walk into your destiny, and that's exactly what had happened with Joshua. Quite often, just a little side note here, quite often in your life, um, to get ready to take a next big step, it means that you need to serve under someone else, to learn faith, to have your faith stretched in ways that are really unique so that you can actually take on that next big mountain. It's where God trains you in how to handle the ups and downs through experiences and, and uncomfortable pressure to prepare you for the next thing that God has for you because it makes you stronger. It makes you stronger so that you can, you can do the things out there that God wants you to do while you're in training. Uh, just a word of advice here, you know, don't ever short circuit God's processes in your life. Uh, please be careful to not get frustrated and discouraged in the process because I have seen more people walk into what I would call derailment. They, they derail so much of their lives or their future or even relationships because they short-circuit the, proce the process or they, they try to jump around an, an obstacle or jump around an issue that they've got to plow through instead. So when, go when you're under a time of testing, walk through it, go through it. Don't just bail. Well, Joshua's time was here. It was now. He had been through 40 years of training. <laughs> Thank God he was through that training. And, and I calculate that he was probably, at this point, about 70 to 80 years old. So he's moving forward, and Joshua's faith was about ready to come under all kinds of new pressure. Again, God had prepared Joshua for this moment long before it happened, but... Uh, it was now time to move forward. So God speaks to him, and this is all recorded in Joshua chapter 1. This is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I love Joshua 1. It was very exciting. <laughs> it's kind of like this is the moment Joshua had been waiting for, and God speaks to him. Joshua chapter 1 verse 3, it says time to look forward and move into his promised land. And here we go, Joshua 1 3, look at it. God says to Joshua, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. <laughs> I will give you. Don't you love those words right there? I will give you. And then he says, your territory. See, it's already his. Do you like that? He didn't say <laughs> the, the territory that will someday be yours. He says, your territory. And then he gives the boundaries. will extend from the desert of Lebanon to the great river Euphrates, all the Hittite countries, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Uh, those are just the boundaries of the area that, that was going to be given to him. And I like this. He says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. You see, he had prepared well. He was ready to go. He was ready for this. God is now speaking this promise over him. God is speaking this destiny over him. He knew the destiny was already in his heart. Now God is speaking it to him, you see? He says, as I was with Moses, 
so I will be with you. Because he had seen God come through for Moses again and again and again. It's like the miracles, this is, this is good. Some of the miracles you've seen God do in other people's lives helps to prepare you to believe for miracles in your life. Keep going. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then he gives him this one command. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. He says, because. Now, this is a cause and effect. He's a command. Be strong and courageous because, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Now, now flipping your Bibles over to Joshua chapter 12, we're going to pick up there in just a second. But don't you love promises like that? In fact, I believe many of you do have promises like that already spoken over your lives. Now, one of the things to understand about the Old Testament is everything that's in the Old Testament, these are types of and shadows of things that were to happen in New Testament Christianity. We live in New Testament Christianity. Jesus is, is our Lord and Savior. But the Old Testament, there's a lot that's in the Old Testament that, that doesn't necessarily make sense. Does this mean we're supposed to go and invade the, the, the neighboring counties? No, that's actually not what, this, not, not, not what this is about right here. But it does, this does have a direct parallel into our lives as believers. It's, uh, it's, it's really interesting because Joshua is the same root as the name of Jesus, which, which he leads us forward. So what was given to them now, then, or really what happened then, is directives and, uh, and, and kind of templates, so to speak, of how we are to operate as New Testament Christians. And one thing that you'll see in Joshua chapter 1, over and over and over and over, you will see God telling him, be strong and courageous. Don't forget this, be strong and courageous. In fact, he says, be very strong and very courageous. He, he pushes this over and over and over. Now, why? Think about this, though. Think about this from an intellectual standpoint. Why is he telling him to be strong and courageous if God has already promised the land to him? Why is he going to need this super strength? Why is he going to need this mega courage to take the land? I mean, was Joshua missing something? God had already given it to him. Isn't it supposed to be easy? Yeah, God's already given it to you. Wherever you walk, you're going to get it. So I'm just going to kind of have a little walk around and everything's fine and I've got my new land. Well, actually, no. There was something ahead. There was actually 31 somethings that were ahead. There were 31 obstacles that Joshua and God's people had to subdue before they could fully abide in the promise that God had already given them. You're like, great, I thought it was supposed to be easier. It would be nice if it was, but there are obstacles. They're there, and it's real. And in order to conquer every single one of these obstacles, uh, Joshua had to absolutely, positively be very strong and very courageous. Remember, Joshua had learned the art of leadership. He had, earned, uh, he had learned the art of warfare while he was in the wilderness under Moses as the assistant leader of God's people. But really what he learned about was how to manage people who were nomadic, who were living in tents, uh, people who migrated through the desert. And, and 
they had never they had never really conquered anything. They just basically protected. So Joshua was was kind of over them, making sure they were protected from anyone who would try to cause harm or danger to them, whether it was wild animals or other uh, other armies or anything trying to come against them. And so he learned how to basically play defense this whole time. And he had no experience in taking new land. He did not have any experience in taking possession of this land, keep in mind, that was already theirs, that had been theirs for about 600 years. See, he had played defense all of his life. Now he was going to switch sides. Uh, Joshua had no experience in taking cities. He had no experience in helping nomads move into homes and settle permanently. This was territory he had never seen and had never been in before. Now, Joshua, 38 years earlier, had spied out this promised land, so he kind of knew the lay of the land. He knew kind of what was out there. But again, 38 years had passed. But then how do you transition from doing things a certain way, pretty much playing defense all of your life, to now playing offense and taking nomads and settling them? It was a whole new game. He had not been this way before. It was going to be unpredictable which is just the way everything is for us right now. <laughs> Unpredictable, right? You've not been this way before. We've not been this way before. You really don't know what you're going to wake up to tomorrow. <laughs> wow. And we're going through a season right now in our lives and in this nation and even in the world where we've never seen or known anything like this before in our lifetimes. Therefore, our approach has to be different. We've been playing the game a certain way, but now we have to transition, we have to change. Yet at the same time, keep in mind, the essentials are still the same. You see, Joshua didn't go and do like a redo of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> he didn't think, well, now we're going to revise God's law because we're moving into the promised land. No, it, he, it was a new season, he needed a new approach, but he didn't change the method or the structure of worship. He didn't change the foundational items that was going to actually carry them through. Nor should we in this new season, this new time when nothing is predictable, don't change the basics. Joshua had to be full of faith like never before, knowing that God was with him. But see, Joshua had learned this earlier, that his identity was in God, not in whether he played offense or defense or anything like that. And he had these 31 obstacles in front of him that were ahead. And he probably didn't know exactly how many of them there were at that time. Uh, but he did know this much. What was on the other side of the Jordan River was unpredictable. It was unpredictable. And he also knew this. He knew that these obstacles could not and they would not dictate his destiny. He was going to move into his destiny, and these obstacles that were out there were not going to control him. So what did he do? He remained true to his foundations, to his essential foundations. Keep this in mind. The essentials of our faith, the way you do your faith according to the scriptures right now, I believe is more important than ever before. It is. Today is the big day for Kansas City and Tampa Bay. Um, 
how are they going to, to do this today? What got these, these teams to the Super Bowl? What got them there? Well, the truth is they have a good handle on their basics. They have a good handle on the basic elements. Today's game is going to have a lot of unpredictable things that will happen. A lot of things that, you know, okay, we didn't expect this to happen, but, but they know how to handle those things by instinct because they've been trained, because they've experienced these essentials so they can press through. And it's the same thing with our lives. Now, Joshua had these 31 obstacles, but I'll tell you what those obstacles were. They were actually 31 kings that lived in the land. And these kings had authority over the land that already belonged to Joshua and God's people. But they were still dwelling there, and they had authority there, and they had to be driven out. So Joshua's 31 obstacles, just like your obstacles, demanded faith, determination, strength, and courage. And, and as you move into new battles, it's going to demand faith, determination, strength, and courage like never before. But you can draw upon the power of the Holy Spirit just by simply continuing to practice the basics. See, what Joshua had to do is he had to creatively make war against each individual king because the dynamics were different. He had, to, he had to do war against them and drive them out, and it wouldn't be a simple task. And the truth is this was going to take years. It would take several years. It would take focused determination. It would take strength and courage. And, and remember this, God has given you promises as well, and you're going to conquer some obstacles. You will. And you're going to pay, take possession of the promises God has given to you because you have a willingness to go into that land and take those obstacles, take them down. These are promises for maybe your family or your business, promises for your future, promises for even your ministry, your work for God, or promises for our church. And yes, God did say, every place where you place your foot, I have already given it to you. But God also says that you have to be strong and have courage in order to do it. So it takes us working with God. Why? It's because adversity is going to come. And some of you are in the middle of adversity right now. And adversity does come. And there will be unpredictable battle, uh, battles and unpredictable challenges and unpredictable obstacles. Your future... I wish I could say it was, it's all perfect, perfectly clear what it's going to look like, but no, I can't, because that's not true. I'd be lying to you. I'd be giving you false hope. But your future is unpredictable. But here's the key. God is faithful. He is faithful in the middle of this unpredictable atmosphere. That's why I'm calling the church to rise up. We must rise up as warriors like never before because those unknown obstacles are ahead, but you're not going to let those obstacles dictate your destiny. Every obstacle, every challenge, every king has a name. Every one of your obstacles has a name, and, and the terrain is different in every single one of those locations that you're going to be taking, and, and every obstacle is different. I mean, some are huge, some are small, but every one of them has the power to intimidate you, and they will intimidate you only if your determination is weak or if you are discouraged. I find that interesting because the root of the term discouraged is what? Courage. And that's one of the things that God told, told uh, uh, Joshua that he had to walk in. Walk in 
courage, have courage. And what keeps us from, uh, from, from moving forward and knocking out these obstacles in front of us? Discouragement. You see it. So it's the opposite. It's courage being sucked out of you. Therefore, you can't do battle. That's why I, I, I come to you today to encourage you. E encourage. That means to inject courage into you. And you need to be encouraged. In fact, do you realize that one of the purposes of Christians coming together to worship in church is to be encouraged? It's an injection of courage we get from each other, from the worship, from the prayer, uh, from the preaching of God's word. And, and that helps us to grow our faith so we can resist the intimidation that's coming coming our way. I want you to resist intimidation that's going to come your way on Wednesday. How are you going to do that? You're going to be encouraged right now. You're going to have something to hang on to, and you're going to press forward as a warrior for Christ. Now I want us to look in Joshua chapter 12. I told you to turn there a few minutes ago. Look in Joshua 12. We're going to look at verse 7, and we're going to see a summary of what Joshua did. I, I like the way this summary is written. It says in Joshua 12, verse 7, it says, Here is a list of the kings of the land that Joshua and the Israelites conquered. And if you look down at verse 9, you're going to see the beginning of this list. And I like, one of the things I like to do is I like to read through this list every once in a while. I'll just tell you, this is, this is one of my secret uh, chapters of the Bible that I run to from time to time. I like to run to this and even say it out loud. Now, I don't ever say it out loud when anybody's around because they think I'm crazy. And I might be, but you know what, I'm still going to say it out loud because I like to read it out loud. Because it, what there is, there's this repetition that's in there. There's, it, it says, look, look at verse number nine. It says, the king of Jericho. And then what does it say right after that? One. One obstacle out of the way. Now, there's still 30 more. But one obstacle is out of the way. And that, sh that, that, that word one right there, is almost, it's like a shout of victory. The king of, now, many of you know the story of Jericho. That's, that's given in pretty big detail in the Bible. And, and several of these, you do hear a lot of detail in the Bible. Others, others of these, you don't really hear anything about them other than the fact that they're just listed in this list. So here we are. The king of Jericho won. In fact, say that word with me. Say one. One. Come on, say it again. One. Okay, let's try it. Verse 9. The king of Jericho won. Good. The king of Ai won. The king of Jerusalem one. The king of Hebron, one. The king of Jarmuth, one. The king of Lashish, one. The king of Aglon, one. The king of Gezer, one. I, I like, I like Gezer, you know, don't you like that? He's an old Gezer. <laughs> he must have been some really old guy. He probably wasn't that difficult to conquer. I, I just, I, I, I just see things in here that are probably not in the original language, but it, I, it just, it's just kind of interesting. But one of the things you can't do is get weary in shouting out the victories. When the victories happen, you shout them out. That's why, you know, it's, it's even easy at the beginning of this list to say, one! But then when you get down to like 15, you're like, one. <laughs> Don't, let's not do that. In fact, we're going to kind of practice that right here. So if you ever see me walking down the street here and I'm just, one, you know what I'm doing, okay? Come on, here, the king of Gezer, let's do it. The king of Gezer, one. The king of Debir, one. The king of Geder, one. Now, why are we saying one? Because every battle stands alone. Every king 
which is an obstacle, needed a new strategy, a different strategy, a strategy that, that stood as one intense, focused act of warfare. If you're looking at all of them, how am I going to do that? That's going to mess you up. you just got to deal with one at a time. God gives you the strategy. God gives you the anointing. God gives you the plan. One. Come on. The king of Hormah. One. The king of Arad. One. The king of Libna. One. The king of Adullam. One. The king of Makata. One. And then you know what you can also do? Even as you're going through this, I just encourage you to list your own <laughs> uh, names that are in there of the obstacles you're facing. Maybe it could be the king of relational conflict. No, bring it down. The, the king of debt. No, bring it down. You see what I'm saying? These are the obstacles. You're going to have to use different techniques. God's going to give it to you, but you're going to do it. Come on. All right. Let's, uh, let, okay, here we are, the king of Bethel. You ready? You ready? Okay, the king of Bethel, one. The king of Tapua, one. I like that one, Tapua. That's uh, a, a fun one to say. The king of Heifer, one. From Fort Worth, definitely, because that's a cow, all right? The king of Aphek, one. The king of Lasheron, one. The king of Medan, one. The king of Hazor, one. The king of Shimon Maron, one. I think that was the French king. Doesn't that sound like a French king? All right. The king of Akshaf, one. The king of Tanak, one. The king of Medigo, Megiddo, one. The king of Kadesh, one. The king of Jokneam in Carmel, one. And that was not a place where they made candy, just in the Carmel. It's not, it was not a candy factory there. All right, come on, but we got to keep going. Got to keep going. You're going to keep knocking them out, every single one. A new strategy, a new battle plan. The king of Dor, one. The king of Goyim in Gilgal, one. The king of Terza, one. 31 kings in all. Remember this. Every place he would set his foot, God had given to him, but again, I've shared this with you before, but that word set your foot doesn't mean just to like take a little step. It means to walk forcefully. It means to tread with force. So when you tread with a spiritual force and you understand you're in a battle and you're not going to let it go, when you're walking in spiritual force, you're walking in strength. God has given it to you and you are taking it one at a time. But every place he set his foot, he had to conquer kings. He had to remove some obstacles, one at a time. I'm sure there were little gaps in there where they had to say, okay, let's take a few days and relax. Let's unwind a little bit. This is kind of a time of, 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 uh, of celebrating some victory. And, and, but then you know, they looked at the next big one and said, do we, have it? do we have the energy for it? Do we have the courage for it? Are we going to do this? Is, can this happen? Oh, can we really make this happen? And I'm sure, in fact, the scriptures even tell us from time to time, some of the army just said, we, <laughs> we're tired of this. This isn't fair. This isn't right. This is hard. This is hard work, you know. <laughs> we were nomads all of our lives, and God sent manna, and we come across the, the other side, and we're not, bread's not falling from the sky anymore. It's just hard work. That's what some of them did. But you know what? They had to keep getting up, and, the, and they kept encouraging one another, which is the beauty of it. They stayed in their faith. They kept encouraging one another. And they removed their obstacles, just like you're going to remove your obstacles, one at a time. See, obstacles get in your way whenever you set out to take new territory. Whenever you set out to take new territory, 
I promise you there will be an obstacle there. In fact, there will be multiple. In fact, I believe that even when you make a faith declaration, when you declare something that God is going to take you here, when you make that declaration, all of a sudden obstacles are going to start popping up. So what are you going to do? It happens in your home. It happens in your life. It, boy, it happened with us. I, I remember uh, when, when, when all, it was 10 years ago, 2001, when we were moving forward with this and uh, not 2000, it was 2011, when we were getting ready to, to, to make all this happen and move forward. Chris, you remember those days? Uh, I mean, there were some obstacles. There were some huge obstacles. Uh, one was, was taxes. One thing we didn't realize is that there were taxes that had been building up over the years that didn't know it until the tax office comes and puts a note on the front door saying they're coming, coming in to seize property in this building. Now, I don't want to get into all the details of that, but that was not a happy day in my life. And we didn't have the money in the bank to do that. We were literally operating week to week. We literally were. And so how in the world is God going to work a miracle there? obstacle. And it's like, God, I thought you promised. I th- God, I thought you said to do this. God, this is not fun right now. <laughs> I took it to our little tiny congregation and I just said, we got some big bills here and sorry about that, but they are what they are. And we've come to find out that our tax bills had been being mailed to a different address. And that's why we never even saw them, didn't even know they existed. And, and here they, here they are. But God gave us a strategy. God gave us favor. God provided for the miracle. I remember there were no leaders. There were no leaders. I mean, Chris, you, again, you probably remember this. It's like someone walk in the door on a Sunday. I'm like, hey, do you kind of like, like God? I mean, do you think God's cool? And they're like, well, yeah, okay, good, good. You're in charge of this. And, and they're like, oh, oh, okay. That, that was pretty much the way that it was back then. And wh- what do you do? We had bills Oh my goodness, I remember like the, the first time we had the fir- very first offering, it was less than $100 that first Sunday, and, and the bills, I, as I looked at what it would keep, just to keep this building open and to keep things functioning and to, just to pay the basics, <laughs> it was, at that time, it would be a little over $6,000 a month. Like, we don't have it. We don't have it. How do you do that with $100 a week for six? I don't know. God, you're going to have to work on me. I remember walking through this place saying, God, we, we, we need a miracle. We need a miracle. God, why did you tell me to do this? God, why did, why, what is going on, God? This is not, God, send us some leaders, God. Send, send us some resources. And I, I remember walking around here thinking, well, we could sell that, and we could sell this. And, we, and I started looking at all the things we could sell to try to get by. And I felt God say, no, you're not going to sell anything. What you're going to do is you're going to hold fast. You're going to pray, seek me, continue, share, continue declaring that you're moving forward, and I'm going to provide for you. And he did. Not only that, there, was, there were mockers, people that were saying, oh, this can't work, this can't happen. And, and it, it's no fun to be mocked. It's no fun to be mocked. I'm not saying there was persecution, but there were mockers. Um, and, and there was also weariness. I mean, weariness just sat in. Not, not just with me, but our whole core team. We just, like, after about a year of just fighting and fighting and fighting, I was like, man, it is exhausting. Joy, I know you remember some of those early days, too. It, just exhausting. And Joy, I think you did everything in the church back in those days. Like, sure, sure, I'm the greeter. I'm the, I'll take up the offerings. I'll the baptize people. I'll set up the chairs. I'll, you, you, you did it all. You did it all. And so did you, Ian, and so did you, Devin, and so did you, Rebecca, and all of you guys who were with us back there in the beginning. I don't know who else I'm missing in here that was with us in the very beginning, but you know what? It wasn't easy. 
but God literally gave us the faith to keep pressing. But we had to have a warrior mentality. We had to have a warrior mentality. I remember I went to one of my board meetings. It was about two years in. And uh, sat down at my board meeting. And, and uh, this is, my board was some area ministers at the time. And they just looked at me and said, what's wrong with you? You look, you look like dead. You look weary. It's like, yeah, I'm working a full-time job just trying to pastor the church. And it's just hard. It's, it's, it's tough soil downtown. It's not easy. This is, this is a tough thing. I said, well, if you keep going at this pace, you're going you're gonna to break down. And then, you know, if the church loses you, it's, it's not going to move forward. You, you've got you've to take some time away. And they said, we're going to require you to take time away. And I said, no. I, 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 I told my board, I said, no, no. So they're like, okay, you're going to say no. Well, we're going to say yes. I said, well, I'm going to say no. And said, then why? Why are you saying no? I said, because I know this much, because I've already seen this happen, that if I'm not there on the Sunday morning to ask people to give in the offerings, nobody will give anything. And if I'm not there to ask for the offerings, nobody's going to give. Because that was actually the way it worked. Now, Jordan, I mean, you, you're wonderful today. I don't have to be up here asking for offerings every week. But in those early days, if I wasn't here asking for offerings, nobody would give. There would be nothing. And so then we're like, okay, we're going to have to close anyway. And they said, well, we're going to find a way. And they, they actually found a way to not only uh, take care of, they said, how much do you need each week? And I gave them a number, and I said, okay, we're going to give you that plus an extra $1,500, and you're going to take three Sundays off. I said, well, can we do it like two weeks and three Sundays? Can I break up the three Sundays? And so I started negotiating all that a little bit. So we, we did kind of work. They said, no, three in a row. I was like, well, how about two here, and then I'm back, and then I'm away. Okay, so they, we finally got it set up, and it worked out. And... Uh, but we fought a good fight of faith. And I remember on that first vacation, I, just, I was so excited for my vacation. So what did I do during that time? I built a church website. I didn't even know how to build a website, but I built a church website. <laughs> like, yeah. But you know what we did? We fought a good fight of faith. And my friend, we continue to this day. Just like you do. Here's the truth. God has given you territory. But you also have to fight for it. Over and over, the Bible talks about the fight of faith. Faith is not some mental ascent. It's just not a place you go to in your head where you kind of float over everything. No, faith is fighting. The scriptures say over and over, you are more than conquerors. So if you're more than a conqueror, According to the scriptures, that means you will face some obstacles and you will face some battles that must be, what? Conquered. I mean, how can you be an overcomer if there's nothing to overcome? If life had no, no hurdles that you had to cross and no challenges, then why do you need faith? You know, it's, it's, it's easy to say, oh yeah, I have faith when everything is going well. But I'll tell you guys, now is the season we're learning this, is that courageous and robust faith is forged through your testing. It's by conquering those ugly obstacles with focused determination. And then our lives are advancing and the church is advancing and this church is and it upsets the enemy because the enemy is losing ground. And the enemy is going to try to halt you in various ways. And that's what those obstacles are about. It's about halting, getting you to stop, getting you to be discouraged and getting you to cut yourself off from the sources of encouragement, like those 31 kings. But your obstacles do not dictate your destiny. What are your obstacles? Well, 
probably different for every single one of you. I'm sure they were very different than what Joshua dealt with, but they were obstacles nonetheless, and the tactics are the same. Your obstacles might be, again, relational fracturing. It could be unemployment. Maybe it's the IRS or legal woes. It could be offense or stress. It could be unbelief, maybe even a lack of education or a lack of experience. But what happens to you is not you, okay? It's not you. You can get past that obstacle, but it means you're going to hold on to Jesus. You're going to hold on to his word. You're going to get to that new place because what once, you're going to look back and you say, you'll see this. What once intimidated you as some impossible, large, steep, violent, threatening obstacle is now way behind you in the rearview mirror and you can hardly see it anymore. I remember when I passed that tire or wheel or whatever it was in the road, it was just a big black round thing that, that bounced. When I passed that, I couldn't really see it much more after I got past it. I just looked at it, well, it's kind of there in my rearview mirror, but there's nothing I can do at this point except pray for the people that are coming after me. And, but it, was in the, it disappeared as fast as it came. It was no longer a threat to me. That's where you are. That's where we are. Some of you have even said this recently. You've said, I just can't do this. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but you say, I just can't do this. Well, it's the time for you to stop saying, I just can't do this, but I, I can do this with God's help because God's the one who's going to give you the strength. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, good scripture for you. I wanted you to get this before we do anything else. With man, Jesus said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Would you just say that out loud? Come on. These are the words, were the words of Jesus. Say this out loud. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Come on, say it again. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible for you and for your future. I encourage you. Rise up. To warfare. Stick to your basics because it's going to pull you through. I like for there to be no talking or movement in the room right now. In a moment, we're going to partake of Holy Communion. But before we do that, I just want to make sure everyone in this room and everyone who is joining us to the E community that you have made things right between you and God. Communion is a celebration of, the, of what Jesus did for us on the cross, and there is power in it. But to participate, we need to be believers. To participate in communion does not mean that you are a part of this church. It just means that you're a part of God's family, and you've invited his blood to wash you of your sins. And before I go any further, if that's you and you need to make things right with Jesus Christ, you need to give your life to him, I'm just going to ask you in the quietness of this moment to let me see your hand. Just me looking. I'm just going to see your hand, and you'll say, that's me. If you're, if you're in the e-community, just, just let them know right now. I want to give my life to Jesus, and somebody will pray with you. But just lift your hand for me. Say, that's me, Pastor. I need to give my life to Jesus. Thanks. Who else? Thank you. Who else? Let's do this. Will you pray with me? Will you pray with me? If you are ready to give your life to Christ, 
whether you're driving in your car or you're in this room right now, pray these words with me. Lord Jesus, my congregation, you pray it with, with me just as an encouragement to those around you. I give my life to you. Will you forgive me of my sin? Today I make the choice to serve you, to follow you, and to fill my life with the goodness of God. Thank you for cleansing me. For today, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.